I'll tell you, having birthdays in December, that's probably a really tough thing. It's a whipping. You know, between us and the grandparents, everybody wants to know what everybody wants for birthdays and Christmas. Well, my birthday is right after the holidays. That's about the time when everybody's done celebrating. So, yeah, you're having a birthday party? Okay. Um, yeah, I saw you at over the holidays. Do I need to see you again, really? Yeah, we were going to go skiing, but do we need to come... Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, healthcare systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have fun along the way. And now, here are your hosts... Reed Smith and Chris Boyer. Welcome to episode 96 of Touchpoint. I am Reed Smith, joined as always by Chris Boyer. Hey, Reed. And um, we are officially in December at this point. And the weather has turned up here in Minneapolis. Has it? Uh, we had we had three inches of snow yesterday, so. Still wearing shorts here in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, matter of fact, my wife, uh, we were recording this on a on Sunday, the 2nd of December, and uh, my wife ran a uh, half marathon today, and I was standing around outside in shorts and t-shirt. Wow. It's going to be in the 70s, I think, all week. Well, I'll think of you when I'm shoveling the sidewalks tomorrow morning. Yeah, it's just really unpredictable. So it could snow or it could be 90. Well, we are in December and it was two years ago, almost exactly, that we first started talking more seriously about starting this show. We're, we're kind of at that two-year mark, which is pretty crazy. And so with that, we've got a couple of milestones coming up. But with this being episode 96, uh, that means there's a couple of things coming up. One is episode 100, which is going to be on January the 2nd. So first show of the new year will be episode 100. It'll be an early birthday gift to me too, Reed, because my birthday is on January 3rd for all of you listeners that are interested in sending me swag. Well, much like last year, we do want to do a best of show and have some things folks can vote on like best guest and um, you know, favorite show of the year and some of those types of things. And so look for a link where you can take a, I mean, super quick survey uh, around that. If you're signed up for the the TPS report, our, our weekly email, you'll get it that way. Uh, if you'd like to sign up for that email, you can do that on our website, touchpoint.health, but also LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, all the usual channels you'll see and, and where we'll be asking for a little bit of feedback, a little bit of help there. So that, that shows January the 2nd. The one just prior to that, I think it's going to be kind of fun. However, the last one of the year, right at the end of December, is actually going to be a little bit of a best of. As most people that have listened to the show know, uh, our network of shows has, have grown this year. Mm-hmm. That's right. We've added quite a few. Because of that, we thought it might be fun to uh, pull some pieces from some of the other shows and have kind of a best of, you know, show from kind of across the network, so to speak. So kind of, kind of a unique show. Chris and I will still will be hosting the show and setting up the clips, if you will. Kind of like America's Funniest Home Videos, but not really. Yeah, except for podcasts, right? Yeah. Um, America's Funniest Podcasts. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> so anyway, look for those. Uh, that's episode 99 and 100. You know, just make sure, just stick around. We're going to be here over the holiday season, and we hope that you would still tune in to listen to us over the holiday season. And if you want to learn more about the shows before we have these best of clips, just jump out to touchpoint.health. That's our website where you can learn about us. And you can learn about all the other network shows that we have out there, really good ones that are out there. Uh, and we hope that you can also jump out to wherever you get this podcast, if it's iTunes, Google Play, or wherever. Make sure you uh, subscribe to us and some other shows from our network. And, and while you're at it, give us a good rating and a review. Also on the website, you'll see all of our sponsors, which speaking of data, no doubt you're buried in it from physicians and insurance to locations and services. But what if you could actually climb above it all, manage the connections and see the limitless possibilities? Well, to manage your connections, you need to meet Connect. See what I did there? Mm -hmm. Connect is Loyal's intelligent data management platform that's really designed to strengthen your system's customer-facing data while making it simpler and easy to use from like physician data to location data, whatever it might be. It's a great way to pull all that stuff together in a single source to make it easier for your website, for your 
chatbots, whatever it might be. So if you want to know a little bit more about uh, Loyal and what they have to offer with uh, not just the Connect product, but all their other solutions, you can visit them online at loyalhealth.com slash demo and set up a time where you can check it out for yourself. Well, Reed, we're going to get into today is an episode about technology or a strategy or both. Yeah, probably both. We've talked about this and we've talked about it to varying degrees uh, on previous episodes, but we're going to dive back into marketing automation. Later on in the show, we're going to have an expert from one of the marketing automation companies out there, Marketo. You may have heard of him, a gentleman by the name of Dana Cutter. He gave us a really good interview about how he's using uh, marketing automation in various different ways at hospitals and health systems. So I thought, you know, with uh, that good interview that we have, Reed, why don't we go deep into this topic a little bit and talk about marketing automation? And of course, we start with the definition of our trusty online uh, know-it-all source of truth, uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> um, so Wikipedia has marketing automation uh, defined where it says marketing automation refers to the software platforms and technologies designed for marketing departments and organizations to more effectively market on multiple channels online, such as email, social media, websites, etc., and automate a repetitive task, which yeah. that would make sense. Automation. Right. So, That's right. And, and I think that is an interesting thing to think about here where it talks about online channels. And multiple channels online, too. That's the other thing. I know that when I first was exposed to marketing automation in the hospital space about five, six years ago, it was really talked about as sort of a thing we do with email. Now it's like multiple channels online, which include email, but it also includes social and websites and webinars and a variety of other things. Email was the easiest one to, to automate. It was a predictable solution. You know, you, you load it up with a bunch of email addresses and you know, you're able to kind of create that mechanism, if you will. And it's, it's harder to do that in other places within the organization because we don't really see and don't really have the data in a database type format. One other thing about this Wikipedia article that I thought would be good to highlight is they say there are th really three categories of marketing automation software. The first is around marketing intelligence, where it really tracks uh, activity that people do when they go to your website, they go to your social media, your web pages, whatever, in one database to understand how people are interacting with your content. And so that's why they call it intelligence, right? The marketing intelligence platform. So the second one uh, being marketing automation, the, the the namesake, if you will. Uh, but this is more like, you know, if you think about like leads, you know, leads coming out of a form and things like that, this, this is probably more like where that fits, but it has a focus on moving leads from the top of the marketing funnel through becoming sales ready leads is how they put it. Uh, at the bottom of the funnel. So you go from kind of that awareness to action flow and prospects are scored based on their activities and receive uh, targeted content and messaging. If you, if you use things like say MailChimp, for example, they, you know, and you set up a list within MailChimp of people's email addresses, as they interact with your emails over time or your content over time, they get star ratings next to these people's you know, names, right, within these lists. And so you're scoring these prospects, even though a lot of times we're not selling people things, you know, we're not selling widgets necessarily. So you're not clicking through to an online store per se. You know, it's still scoring these people on, on how they interact with you. So the third category is where it actually does more than just give you the intelligence and more than just scoring. It actually becomes an advanced platform for workflow. What that means is, is that it's integrated into things like email and your website and other places, and you can actually upload content to it. You can actually use this platform as a way to, to do some advanced automation. And that could go into integrating with CRM, or maybe it uh, one of your salespeople goes out and has a conversation with a physician, and they come back, they put a little note in to their CRM, and then it automates an email that's based on who they just met with. You know, there's a lot of different things you could do with this workflow automation. And, you know, come to think of it, Reed, when you, when you look at marketing automation platforms out there, there's a whole gamut of people that can do one or many of these three different things. Historically, again, we've looked at kind of these email platforms, 
uh, whatever that is, MailChimp, Constant Contact, Emma, et cetera. Uh, but that's really just one function of this larger piece. Well, this might be a good time to pivot to this article I found about the brief history of marketing automation, because it's interesting where this whole concept of marketing automation came from. We heard about it in healthcare. I don't know. I started hearing about it maybe five, six years ago, and, mm-hmm. but it's been around for a while. It actually came out of CRM. Let's take one step back, even in a meta sense here, and talk about where CRM came from, right? CRM evolved from really the old fashioned salespeople that had Rolodexes of business cards, right? And they would say, (laughs) I'd go meet with someone and they write something on the card and they put it in the Rolodex. Well, businesses started to integrate that and collate it into databases where it had clients and it had employees and prospects in this one sort of database platform. And then in the 80s, when these types of CRMs were being used by businesses, things started to evolve a little bit. And where it evolved from really came from these specific actions, mostly done by email at the time, which is like customer service, sales management. As people were out there servicing customers or doing prospecting, they were using emails. So CRM kind of grew an extension that was marketing automation. Rolodex is going to be one of those terms. Uh, is this where the millennials come in? They have no idea what a Rolodex is. Yeah, they don't know what a Rolodex is. Side note, Monopoly came out with a board game for millennials. Have you seen this? Oh, that was going to be my recommendation this week, Reed. Is it really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yes, I saw that. Side note. <laughs> yeah, it's only about experiences. It's not actually real estate. <laughs> But like the Rolodex, yeah, it's an interesting concept to think about how this has evolved because it was all handwritten. And then it was like, man, it would be great if we could compare notes <laughs> before I then go, you know, see these same people. And so that's kind of where a lot of this was birthed, right? Was the, was the need to be able to compare notes, quite honestly, and better service customers. Right. And better service them and prospects, right? So then an email would get sent Mm -hmm. because emails were around in the 80s, right? So people would send emails and then it started to evolve and become this really full-fledged marketing intelligence platform. And do you know when that happened, Reed? Take a guess. Later than the 1980s. 2003 was one of the first marketing automation platforms and it was Eloqua. Oh, yeah. Is Eloqua still around? They are. They're just acquired by someone, I'm sure. There has been a lot of acquisition. A lot of platforms evolved afterwards. But what really advanced marketing automation in a significant way was the advent of social media networks, mobile, mobile technology and mobile commerce, and the ability to create landing pages. That's when marketing automation kind of hit its sweet spot. The golden age of marketing automation was between 2006 and 2008. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's only 10, 12 years ago, right? I mean, this is still in an infancy uh, state. I mean, it moves quickly because it's technology and there's a lot of people investing in it. And side note, Eloqua was purchased by Oracle. I knew it. I knew that happened. Still early on in this. And I think it's going to be really interesting and fascinating to see you know, how this comes about. CRMs initially, uh, well, and still are in a lot of cases, these really expensive tools and huge initiatives to put in place. But then you look at something like HubSpot and you can sign up for free for, for a CRM tool. Now, could you use that in the same way with a hospital? Probably, you know, probably not. Well, definitely not. But the the point being is is you know we're going to continue to see the stuff get easier to use, be more aggressive in how they, I, I guess, in an interoperability fashion, kind of work alongside other technologies as well, right? And stuff's going to continue to get gobbled up, I guess. That's true. And so in this time, you know, right about now, back then marketing automation was really expensive, but now and with everything kind of converging and newer technologies being integrated as well, what we're seeing with marketing automation, it's a, it's becoming, like you said, much more integrated with other platforms, particularly CRM. They kind of come hand in hand now. And then secondly, it's becoming a lot cheaper to use. We're going to see more and more adoption. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, and that's our good friends at Binary Fountain. 
you know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're spending uh, on reviews, ratings relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too many of those are going unanswered and they're certainly not being analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting our patient experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health Analytics. If you'd like to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at binaryfountain.com. That's binaryfountain.com. So I think it's timely for us to talk a little bit about how maybe the best ways that we as in the hospitals and health systems can start using marketing automation. Yeah, I think that's great. And coincidentally, Chris, you found an article with the 11 best examples of B2C marketing automation. So, it, but, but in all seriousness, and again, we'll obviously like other, all of the rest of our shows, we'll have a link in the show notes, but these are some great, not healthcare specific examples, but we'll give you some ideas on, you know, oh, okay, this is analogous to some things that I do in the hospital or some initiatives that I might have. So this is a great article to walk through. Yeah, so one of the first ones, Reed, they say is a welcome program. After someone interacts with your organization or even becomes a customer, or in in our case, right, a patient, you could use a marketing automation to send out a welcome program to them to say, hey, welcome, you know, thank you. Give them an, an expectation of what they can expect from interacting with you. Maybe show more about who you are. Let them learn a little bit more about you. Think about all the different welcome programs that we do in hospitals and health systems. Right, the one that comes to mind for me is the the new movers program. Right, welcome to the neighborhood. Yeah, I was going to say the same. That that was the exact one that popped in my head as well. I mean, that, that's an excellent example. But also, let's say they sign up for your newsletter, or maybe they become a patient, and you could send them from the practice, from the clinical practice, a welcome. Here's where you go to pay your bills. Here's where you can go to, you know, to log into uh, to your my chart to communicate with your doctors. Here are directions. Yeah, I mean, if you think about even the affinity programs you may have, a 55-plus program, maybe it's a mom of multiples or, you know, NICU families or, you know, any of that kind of stuff, right? Uh, Women's program, et cetera, that makes tons of sense. So the welcome piece, um, I think, is is pretty self-explanatory and, you know, people can probably, right off the top of their head, think about, you know, where that may fit within their organization, yeah, and think about how easy it is to set that up so that it'll always happen, and it's set up by a trigger. You get an email in your system, it automatically sends them a welcome message. It's automated. There you go, marketing automation, right? Yep, absolutely. Uh, second one here on the list is a uh, repurchase program. So again, we're not selling widgets necessarily, uh, but if you think about that post-purchase piece, um, you, you've seen this from when you go to a hotel, right? They're asking for feedback in a lot of cases. They want you to leave a review, share a photo. There's personalized suggestions based on your previous order. So here's some other things you might like, like and things like that. But anyway, it's a follow-up you know, to, to an experience you already had. Let's say you sign up for a diabetes education program. They could send you an email afterwards that also suggests some of the wellness nutrition classes, maybe some yoga classes that you're doing, you know, or if you're a, a new mother and you go through a birthing, like through a tour of a birthing center, you could send out other information about things that might be relevant to you in that particular point in time. It's really a way to kind of broaden your exposure to that particular interaction that you have with that one person. The third one, and, and this is one we probably do a little bit of, and, and you don't really think about it as marketing automation, or maybe it's not set up in an automated fashion, but as a reminder. You know, we have people that sign up for programs and classes and seminars and all those types of things. And if you think about it, we, we do a pretty good job of um, like reminder phone calls for people to have like clinical appointments. And they're typically phone calls. And, you know, a lot of, lot of organizations, physician practices, et cetera, have set up with these automated phone calls. You're not actually talking to anybody. It's just, hey, remember, you've got this thing. Let us know if you need to reschedule. Anyway, reminder programs is one of those. I, one that comes to mind for me is, I mean, just the place I get my hair cut. I mean, I get a text message like, hey, remember, you got an appointment in the morning. It's interesting you mentioned text messaging, right? Because that leads to number four, which is multi-channel programs. Mm-hmm. The one good thing about marketing automation is you could tie it into email. You could tie it into your 
text messaging. You could tie it into a variety of other channels. And sometimes when you're like communicating with someone, and let's say, for example, they may have heard about a class or, or an event that you're doing, and they, they didn't quite register or what have you, you can use marketing automation to maybe touch, talk to them in a different channel, like send them a text message. And said, hey, here's a great way for you to, you know, sign up for this class. Or maybe, um, you know, they go to a webinar and they leave the webinar early. Well, you can send them an email that says, hey, you want to pick up your webinar where you left off? Just come on back. It's using a different channel to try to communicate with them in order to build a better relationship. Yeah. And if you think about just even, you know, multi-channel, if you think about simple things with with the uh, offline world, you know, maybe you're sending direct mail pieces, et cetera. Well, you could do some lookalike campaigns to reinforce that they're getting something in the mail, they're hearing something on the radio, they're also seeing things that are targeted to them on Facebook, for example, and getting an email. And so you're able to kind of, in a, in a well-rounded fashion, you know, put similar, if not the same messaging in front of them um, over a short period of time. And spoiler alert, you're learning their preferences, what they prefer to communicate with you on. Exactly. Uh, number five, win back programs. And so, you know, you see this typically for those of us, uh, anybody out there that has subscribed to something, Dollar Shave Club, Birchbox, you know, any of these kind of mail order subscription programs, Sock of the Month. I did that for a while. You only need so many pairs of socks, quite honestly. <laughs> when you cancel those or pause them, they'll send you things like, Hey, if you come back, here's a discount, you know, those types of things. And so if you have in engagements with folks, you can go back to them with, uh, it may not be technically a win back program. It's more of like a reminder program probably in healthcare. Yeah. I got one from my dentist, right. That says it's nearing the end of the year and your deductibles are going to renew at the beginning of the year. Do you want to get that last minute dental work in? Not like that was really an incentive for me to go to the dentist, so to speak. But basically, it was trying to use some kind of uh, an incentive to get me to come back and re-engage for some reason, which kind of leads to the sixth point, Reed, which is treatment programs. It's interesting that they call it treatment programs, but really what it is, is creating different programs to engage with people based on where they are in the, in the what they call the buyer status or we, what we could call the, the customer flow. Let's say, for example, you have a program where you have a bariatrician that does an online webinar and uses the online webinar to get people that might be interested to come to make to call his office and make a, a consultation, one-on-one consultation that might lead to either, you know, a various different types of weight loss treatments. You could fashion different programs at different stages in the journey to address what their specific needs are to basically make that step in the process more efficient. They may watch the webinar and make the appointment and your marketing automation could track that and say, now what we're going to do is we're going to communicate with you this way. Number seven, A-B split testing. And so we've talked a lot about A-B testing, especially around like advertising. But you know, this is a way that you can use even you know maybe the A group is more of your control group. And the B is testing new campaigns, slogans, ideas, uh, checking different threshold levels for for action, for calls to action and things like that. Again, a way to test and and validate what you're doing. It's very important to to do A-B testing uh, in order to see which program might work and might resonate with more people. Number eight is one-off multi-step campaigns. And really what this is, is just like a one-time mailing that might be related to a particular thing that you could predict. You know, they say in retail, a big sale of the year, right? Right now we're Mm. seeing a lot of that probably in retail. But for us, think about it equated to our world, right? We might do one around open enrollment. We might do one around the flu season. We might do one around uh, school physicals. There could be a variety of different things that we could do throughout the year where we can really just do a one-off marketing automation program designed to get people to do something for that particular month or time of the year. Uh, number nine, transactional programs. And so again, this is probably one that we also don't think about, but think about buying things online and then a receipt that you get emailed to you. So you buy stuff off Amazon or whatever it is. Well, that receipt you're getting has a lot more on there other than just like, here's what you bought and here's where we're sending it. And you know, those types of things. 
Uh, there may be uh, some links to like customer service. There may be some links to customized or personalized suggestions based on what it is that you just ordered. And so, you know, people are using this real estate in this automated action of basically sending you a receipt to drive home some other some other ideas. You know, Reed, I think that's a really big opportunity for us and not in a salesy sort of way, but we send whenever you uh, you know have an appointment, your EMR sends you an email that reminds you that you have a bill or, you know, reminds you to go look at your your records in your electronic medical record. I think we can really start to explore different use cases where using that, we can maybe suggest other things for them to do while they're going back to check their lab results or maybe renew their pharmacy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's valuable real estate, that's for sure. Okay, number 10, we're almost done here. Number 10, uh, retargeting programs. Creating retargeting programs based on different types of actions. Abandoned carts uh, when you're shopping online or abandoned web sessions. I think we could easily equate it to, let's say, for example, you go down and you start to do an appointment scheduling and you, you know, you may fill out enough information where they know who you are, but then you abandon it. You don't make that appointment. Maybe we won't be so overt to say we notice you didn't start to finish this appointment with this doctor, but maybe suggest things where we can get them back into researching, looking for doctors again. And if they come to your website, you know, certain parts of your website to understand that, maybe start to communicate to them differently with email or text message afterward. And then finally, uh, number 11 actually is is not an example of automation, <laughs> but it, it is a good reminder and it's, it's to measure success. You want to build off a of success, obviously. And so just the idea of just measuring what it is that you're doing, analyzing that performance, looking at conversion rates or whatever the success metrics or KPIs are, and make sure that, you know, you, you do have some sort of a measurable goal. Well, so there you go, Reed. 11 examples, maybe 10 plus a good best practice of measuring, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Ways we can use marketing automation in healthcare. But one thing we didn't do, Reed, and maybe we should as a, a way to kind of end out this conversation before we jump to our interview, is talk a little bit about some things you probably shouldn't do. We can go through these pretty quick. There's another article that we'll link to that's uh, titled Tips for uh, Avoiding These Non-Marketing Automation Mistakes. And so we'll kind of go through what they, they talk about the mistakes to be. And it's funny because this actually leads off with what we just ended the last one talking about, or making <laughs> sure that you don't have, which is a lack of a goal. Um, so make sure that there's some way to measure success, that there's KPIs, et cetera. Also, remember, marketing animation won't really work well if you don't have an inbound lead generation strategy. When there's not enough leads attracted to a website, when you don't have a lot of people coming inbound into your digital channels, the most common mistake you can make is actually purchasing email lists. That's really not the way to use marketing automation because, quite frankly, a lot of that list stuff is de-identified. What you need to do is you you need to know that marketing automation is part of an inbound lead generation strategy. Number three, they're not having defined marketing content. And so it's kind of one of those things that we talk about, you know, uh, marketing a bad product is not good, right? Even if your marketing is good, um, you're just marketing a bad experience. And so this is kind of the same thing. You know, if you don't have that defined content in place, don't, you know, exaggerate it with (laughs) across the audience with automation. Or don't send content about being an expectant mother to a man, perhaps, Mm -hmm. right? Thinking that just a general content about our birthing centers is enough. No, no, no. You you want to be a little bit more specific. The fourth error they say is, you know, avoid those spelling mistakes and typos. Marketing automation does fill in data for, from your database. Make sure that the fields are going in the right place. How many times have we seen that happen, right? Where we get an email where maybe it has the wrong information in the name field. I get one even to this day where it's dear invalid boyer that's awesome or like me all three of my names are last names no one knows what to they don't know what to call me you know what i mean (laughs) if they just glance real fast and it's funny when people look at my driver's license they have a hard time deciphering because in texas you have the first middle and then the next line is the last name it's just very confusing people glance at it they're not sure because they don't want to be disrespectful, right? And just call you by your first name when they don't know you or know you know know how formal you are. Anyway, so yeah. Uh, so number five, no segmentation of your audience. 
they talk in here about a survey that they reference uh, that, that segmented emails bring in 58% of all revenue, but that only 42% of marketers send out targeted messages. So again, probably not apples, apples for healthcare necessarily. However, making sure that you've got the right message and, and you're taking into account demographic and behavioral information, et cetera, uh, when you're sending this message out or focusing the message on somebody. You know, it's interesting. We recently had a conversation about we're structuring our marketing automation contact database, right? And we're saying, well, should one of our segments be consumers? And the question was, is that too broad? Is that a segment? That sounds to me like a general categorization. Then you want to break up your consumer database to different segments. Number six is you're focused on only one aspect of your marketing automation, you know, I, I get it that, you know, a lot of times when you're first starting out with marketing automation, you probably get really good at doing things like maybe nurturing them through a single workflow. Maybe you're really good at using it for emails and that's all you focus in on. Remember that marketing automation can do a lot of different things for you. So it's really you got to understand the broader journey, so to speak, really map out different variables about how people can go from, you know, one thing to the next and really using this, the new sophistication that marketing automation has available to you to be able to build some complex journeys for you. Uh, number seven, much like uh, we've talked about up to this point, uh, they talk about it as you know, your campaign is left unsupervised. So this kind of goes back to the measurement, the goal setting, et cetera. You know, don't be lazy and just set this thing up once and, and think you can just walk away forever. That's not going to end well. But isn't that what marketing automation is supposed to do, right? You automate it and you just walk away. It's kind of like a Roomba. <laughs> <laughs> a Roomba. Yeah, that's what this is. That's going to be like the code name for the next marketing campaign I do. <laughs> Project Roomba. And you come home after work and the Roomba's just kind of stuck in that corner, mm-hmm. just not sure what to do. It's just not working. Yeah, or it's upside down because it like fell down the steps or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, added to that, and not only don't leave your campaigns supervised, obviously check with them, but don't restrict your marketing automation only to your team. And, and really, you know, a lot of times marketing automation is started like when you're looking at maybe a specific type of strategy or action. And, you know, salespeople use it a lot. If you do it for like patient acquisition, don't restrict it only to that aspect of it because you know what? Marketing automation can be used in multiple different avenues of your business from candidate qualification. If you have people applying for jobs, you could use it for foundation, obviously, right? For fundraising efforts. You could use it for marketing. You could use it for population health. There's a lot of different ways that you can use it. So don't just use it for one part of your team. Think about different ways you can use it across the organization. And finally, and one that probably a lot of people do, don't just go directly to the cell. Uh, don't be pushy. Uh, don't have your emails just you know riddled with buy this, click here, sign up here, all that kind of stuff. You have to you cultivate these relationships. Uh, so we start talking about things like drip marketing and, and, and those types of things. But you know, one thing that can really ruin it is just going directly to the cell of the product. Use it as a way to build a relationship with your potential customers, with your existing patients, you know? You know, when you think about it, Reed, from a marketing automation perspective, we've talked a little bit about some very tactical applications of it. You kind of think of marketing automation as now something that's just part of our overall toolkit as a marketer. Maybe it's a misnomer too, because marketing automation is neither marketing only. And like we said about the Roomba, it's not just automation and you walk away, right? right? It does need both of this. And it really is calling upon marketers to really shift the way they're actually working with their various digital tools and various digital programs. The technology only works uh, when the strategy is strong. Otherwise, you know, it, it's just shiny objects that you've bought over the years and they're not really accomplishing any real goal. Hey, Chris, before we go too much further, jump into this next segment of the podcast, I did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors, Influence Health. Uh, You know, they've got a consumer experience platform that that covers several things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've we've talked about content management systems on this podcast. Yeah, we did. What about CRMs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one way, shape or form have probably been covered, right? 
That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I would say that we even talk about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer experience. Well, there you go. I, you know, I would, I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those topics uh, or anything else, they've also got some complimentary solutions on their website. But, but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems, kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to InfluenceHealth.com. All right, welcome back to the Ask the Expert section of our podcast. And today I have the privilege of talking to someone that I just recently met uh, over the phone, but has a lot of experience working with hospitals and health systems in using marketing automation. And that's Dana Cutter. Dana, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Chris. Do you think you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your experience, et cetera? No, sure. I appreciate that. You know, I've been working in marketing for the last 25 years. You know, my job has been driving profitable revenue and growth. Always had that focus of uh, new business acquisition and primarily in health insurance. Uh, So both on the Medicare side, on the group insurance side, but I've also had the opportunity to work in middleware as well. So in technology, you know, the number one thing to share with your team about that past experience is how much our roles as marketers has changed in that time. And evolved as we kind of move from brand to demand to customer loyalty channels that we use. So I'm looking forward to talking more about that today. You're right. Marketing has changed significantly. And I think the tools that are used for marketing have changed as well. And um, the tool that you know we've been talking a lot today, Reed and I, and the rest of the show, we've been talking about marketing automation. And you, working with Marketo, have a unique perspective on marketing automation. So why don't we start with that? Like, tell us how you see marketing automation, how you define it? Well, you know, at the at its core, it's about engagement. So it's both a combination of rule-based, where the user defines what that engagement looks like and adapts um, how we use artificial intelligence, um, how we have uh, listened for certain behaviors that are, are occurring as they consume content across our email programs, our website, our mobile apps, our social or digital advertising campaigns. So that combination of rule base and adaptive base to really engage people along different points in the journey. So as they complete certain milestones, we want to make sure that we're adapting and changing the message, the tone, the approach um, as they move through those milestones on that customer journey. It's almost like you're adapting and shifting the language in a personalized way based on you know their their unique actions or their preferences. Is that a fair way to characterize that? Absolutely. Our ability to adapt our message and do it in real time is a large part of what's changed in our role the last five to 10 years. And I know you work with hospitals and hospital clients uh, that are, are adopting marketing automation. And a lot of times within a health system, when the marketers are looking at marketing automation, they may not be looking at it in a holistic sense. They may be looking at it as like email on steroids. What's your perspective on that? It's that multi-channel experience. You're right. So, um, you know, healthcare is on the cuffs are really looking at how they can use this technology to engage audiences in unique ways, moving beyond just that email. So, you know, how do we create that effective, enduring, kind of personalized healthcare experience? One of the challenges we have is you know, the healthcare experience is so fragmented. The lab services, the emergency room, the urgent care facility, making your way to that primary care physician, that specialist, you know, getting admitted to the hospital, all different systems, all different platforms, all different partners. You know, the challenge for marketing is how do we create that patient engagement experience when we don't control all those different platforms and, and partners. Yeah. And, you know, and you're, you're mentioning a lot of these different departments and even activities like experience that are not traditionally under the, the name marketing within a hospital or health system. Have you seen that in some of the clients that you work with? They're looking at it as like a marketing tool, whereas this is a little bit broader than just marketing. One of the unique aspects of, of a marketing team is we always get that customer experience, right? That journey. Um, we're always analyzing their personas, the ideal customer profiles. Um, so we always have that view into our customer base. Of how do we help that awareness phase, that consideration phase, that purchase phase? Um, so more and more, what 
we're seeing at Marketo as we engage with hospitals and health systems is the desire to um, start pulling those different features and functions from those um, subsystems under a platform like Marketo. So we're starting to build a profile of each individual patient. We're trying, we're starting to track in incremental behaviors and we're starting to make decisions about when we use those behaviors to trigger a certain uh, communications. And ultimately, you know, kind of going back to that effective, enduring and personalized experience. So it doesn't feel as fragmented and disjointed. We have the tools to really create that connected experience. Now, this is getting exciting for me because really what we're talking about now is is almost to an effect of like you're doing patient journey mapping. What we bring that's unique to the table is um, as we look at those journeys and, and maybe we just keep the, the phases really simple. If, if we just kind of the B to C, you know, so if we had a simple journey of awareness, consideration, purchase, people are searching for symptoms, they're searching for conditions before they make the choice of going to our hospital or going to their physician. They're trying to understand what these symptoms might be, what conditions they might have. So we have to work on our content strategy uh, when it comes to our websites, when it comes to our promotions to help identify uh, what are those primary conditions, you know, and in America, you know, those two or three medical conditions that 20% of the population has represents 80% cost. Our ability to make sure that our content is aligned with how people are um, building awareness of our hospital, building awareness of our treatment centers, building awareness of the specialists that we have to help them overcome conditions. The consideration phase, understanding that people are kind of falling into two buckets, right? They fall into that doctor seeker or that treatment seeker know the doctor they want to see. They're on our social media sites. They're watching the videos that we produce at these health systems. As these specialists talk about how they uh, manage that treatment program, um, work you through that whole patient experience. Um, or they're on our site evaluating how different centers of excellence within your network are treating certain conditions and what that patient experience is like to find that doctor. And then finally, you know, once they reach that purchase stage, how can we connect that appointment, um, that patient, that um, the care managers that are following up? So that way uh, we see that patients are following through on their treatments, they're getting their prescriptions. And increasingly, you know, those other internet of things that are a part of that experience, right? So they might have, if they're a diabetic, they might have something on their arm that's administering that insulin, but also communicating with an app. So how can we listen for all those behaviors through all those different stages of the journey um, and build our content strategy, our communication strategy um, to map out that journey, map out that to a specific condition, uh, specific tr treatment facility, and build that connected experience for them. So they, it feels like, you know, what I always say is all healthcare is local. Um, so if localize that experience and we miss that opportunity as we're creating these journeys. I like that. I like that a lot. And, we're, and really, this kind of mirrors my approach to applying digital to that journey and, and finding that, you know, certain tools work really good at certain points in that journey. And the, and the way you were describing it, it goes way past the consideration purchase phase. I mean, it gets into loyalty. It gets into, you know, um, compliance. And again, we're getting outside of where marketing typically functions or operates within a health system. So do you work a lot with like population health or, or even patient access? What we're finding is that's where marketing people are heading, right? We're, we have a unique tool set, right? Or a unique skill set when we're um, to be able to define those journeys, be able to do that market research, to be able to do those focus groups, um, to be able to do that statistical analysis, to be able to lay out that journey. So it's something unique that we bring to the table um, over the rest of the organization. Um, what I'm seeing is there's some major changes going on in the industry, right? In 1996, it was the Balanced Budget Act, right? Um, and that tremendously changed the way Medicare was um, accessed, way patients in the Medicare uh, access healthcare, um, subcontracting it with private health insurers. Then the Affordable Care Act in 2010 was another opportunity where it changed how people were accessing care. So when the government steps in and changes the funding models, um, changes how people access care, changes how they partner with health insurers and private uh, hospital systems, it creates an opportunity to really rethink how we uh, market to patients, but also market to physicians. 
Now you brought up another audience, which is the physicians or the provider audience. That is also another uh, use case that, you know, suddenly my mind goes completely, um, you know, expansive around. Uh, there might be a, a, a number of different implementations that you could do in that space. The best part about taking this job as a, a solutions consultant at Marketo, um, for me, um, I've always tried to stay ahead of the technology. I try to always see what um, platforms and tools I can use to really kind of push the envelope be able to shrink sales cycles, be able to better engage um, prospects. One of the most interesting things about this job is working with the pharmaceutical industry. One of the things they do that's really well is um, around product detailing, right? So whether it's a drug, uh, a new medical device, device, they have a a program that their sales reps do in terms of product, uh, what they call product detailing. So they're coming in with uh, an iPad or a similar device, um, and they're creating these immersive experiences, right? It's not just email. It's not just PowerPoint. They're using things like AR and VR, virtual reality and augmented reality, right? Uh, create really immersive experiences uh, to educate physicians and keep them engaged. You know, certainly one of the challenges you have on the, on the pharmaceutical and the medical instruments time is physicians just don't have a lot of time. So if you don't create experiences that um, grab their attention quickly, get them engaged with the conversation, take advantage of these technologies. And that's really, I think hospitals could do a lot better in, you know, um, I moved from Boston to Charleston when I joined uh, Aetna five years ago. And so I had to deal with a new hospital, new system. I actually, I fell off a ladder, tore everything in my knee. Um, and for the first time in a long time, I felt what a fragmented system was like. I went to an urgent care facility. They gave me my um, scans. They gave me my paperwork. I went to the doctor's office. Those systems weren't connected. I went to the specialist, my doctor and the specialist. So I had to carry all this stuff around. I went to the MRI facility. So I was carrying around all that paper, all those CDs, all those images to different people. Um, we've got to do a much better job of creating a, a, a better connected and a more immersive experience to keep people engaged and keep them on the path towards keeping them healthy. So the nice part is seeing how all these different industries leverage different tool sets. And what I liked about what you said earlier is it's not just a Marketo platform, but there's uh, specialty applications underneath it um, where you might be getting engaged through a demo tool, where you might be getting engaged through video, where you might be getting engaged through um, 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 your blogs. So be able to connect all those assets to each individual person's profile and create that immersive experience. Sounds incredibly difficult to do. (laughs) And, you know, many of the hospital uh, people that are in my shoes that are sitting in hospitals that are implementing marketing automation for the first time, it can seem a little daunting. Um, Do you have any tips or advice that you would would give? What are some ways that they can actually start to implement the solutions uh, appropriately? One of the things I always say is don't boil the ocean, right? Um, We can't take on the whole customer experience on the first 90 days of starting a project like this. Um, So you want to pick a path of least resistance. um, And some things you want to consider is uh, a managed service partner. Um, So this is a partner that knows the technology. Um, They can, uh, can use their instance of the technology to help reduce your cost in bringing on that technology. And you can use their teams um, and their case studies to kind of get you off the ground and running. And ultimately your goal is, you know, we have to prove that impact in the first 90 days, right? Um, the challenge with a lot of hospital systems is time, money, and resources. We don't have money to afford the good stuff and we don't have the time to master it. Um, so um, these managed service partners can help you get there quicker And then as you build your case studies, as you build your proof of concepts, as you start to show uh, impact on patient engagement, impact on patient health, impact on the bottom line, then you can start expanding into other parts of the customer journey. Do you think, though, that, you know, working with the hospitals that you do, we have a problem in that we have a lot of data siloing. And I would say that that results in in that fragmented user approach. Do you see those challenges kind of playing out when you're really trying to develop a use case for marketing automation? One of the things I consistently see is, uh, you know, their electronic data warehouses. Um, they may have a CRM, their EMR, their electronic medical record system. So there's a lot of different platforms. Um, if they have open API, APIs, great. 
um, then that means we can do a lot with connectivity. Uh, as you're evaluating, you know, making sure you understand the encryption capabilities of those platforms, not just for the platform, but can they encrypt the email? Can they encrypt the landing page? Can they encrypt the links on the landing page? And do they have the middleware partners when there isn't an open API where um, it's one of those siloed systems? Refine your use case for that first time that you're uh, exposing digital marketing, the higher probability of success. Uh, whenever I start uh, initiate like some kind of digital project or, you know, I, I really spend time to find out where my gaps are and really focus in on trying to, how do we bridge those gaps? Uh, you know, start default first to what's the right experience that we want to have and then try to fill those gaps if you could. And I find tools like, you know, my application of using marketing automation, I have found that marketing automation works extremely well. And once you're able to identify where the data sources are, it can really help to smooth that journey, even though it's maybe fragmented still on the back end where we really excel is understanding the personas um, that are using our services um, building those ideal customer profiles and that's where you're going to do your data mapping right when you build those personas you build those ideal customer profiles uh, you're going to pick the pro the persona and the profile that matches you know 80 uh, percent of your opportunity and that help you define the data that you need so you can map back to those systems um, build that connectivity. So it's all under one kind of marketing automation platform. Um, so, and hopefully it's bi-directional and it's getting updated with some frequency. So when we do the triggers to drive the automation, whether it's rule-based or adaptive-based, it's happening in real time. Think about like, you know, maybe two, three, even five years from now. Um, I, I anticipate marketing automation would be used more extensively within hospitals. But what do you see? What do you see as the future? Where is it going to grow to? Yeah, you know, I, I think we're... Still kind of stuck trying to um, force people to uh, go into portals that are talking about claims and benefits and risk. You know, one of the um, future cases that I see is more around that value state story of how we're helping to improve patient outcomes. So the whole idea of that patient engagement journey, being able to look at what they're consuming along the ways, what they're not consuming along the ways, um, which behaviors um, have they which behaviors they haven't completed. That's going to help you and I as marketers really showcase that value story and show how we're helping um, patients move through that experience, you know, efficiently, cost effectively, and more importantly, how we're helping them um, get to that point of, of, of healthy, right? So one of the areas that's um, changing in that area is how hospitals are paid, right? Um, we're paid fee for service primarily. That's the way um, we only get paid when people are sick, but there's a, a movement now towards value-based care where it's fee for value, where it's monthly recurring revenue, right? So in order to improve patient outcomes, in order to drive that value story, uh, what we're seeing is uh, insurance companies like Aetna and Alina Health, even in Minnesota, is starting to see that disruptors. They're starting to see disintermediation going on, um, even in Minnesota with uh, companies like Aetna and Alina Health forming joint ventures, so brand new insurance companies that are going to get reimbursed on a monthly recurring revenue. So that's a true B2C model. It's a true um, outcome-driven model. There are report cards associated with that in terms of how physicians are, are meeting certain uh, patient outcomes. And with those report cards are also bonuses and how they're paid. Um, so that value versus um, volume story is a big part where we see change coming and that differentiated experience, right? A lot of what you and I have been talking about in the last 15 minutes is, you know, how do we create that differentiated experience? How do we do it across devices, across screens, across channels? Um, so we can create that connected experience because our customers aren't just coming to us through the front door. They're not just responding to email. They're on our social media sites. Uh, they're coming to our events, uh, they're coming to our webinars or watching our videos. So how do we connect all those experiences and make it differentiated? And I think finally, it's um, that collaboration with partners. You know, um, it's a frustrating, fragmented experience when we go through healthcare. You know, as we try to access all these different partners in the system, some of them that are owned by the hospital, some of them that aren't owned by the hospital. You know, so how do we connect those different platforms um, how do we map their data back to our ideal customer profiles, our personas, so we can create unique experiences with those relationships as well? Um, and, and just to close out with, 
we have to remember all healthcare is local. Um, so how do we make it about Minnesota, you know, or Minneapolis or other communities that you serve? So it's relevant and personalized down to the market that the person lives in. It must be really exciting to be working for Marketo and doing some of the work that you're doing there. If people want to learn a little bit more about you and also your company, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Certainly you can uh, reach out to me through uh, my email address if that's going to be posted with this bod- podcast. Uh, one thing I want uh, your listeners to know is, you know, we can help you personalize that patient enga- engagement experience. We can help you get to that 360 degree view of that digital behavior. Um, so we can help you take the right action at every step of that journey. Um, so uh, we're here to help. Um, and our platform is designed to help you increase that uh, patient effectiveness, that um, physician effectiveness in terms of your communications and make sure that you're um, breaking through the noise and and really delivering meaningful messages uh, that keep people engaged with your brand um, and keep moving on towards a healthy experience. Dana, thanks again for being on this show. Chris, I appreciate the opportunity to hopefully we get to work together more in the future. And if you need anything, feel free to call. Happy to help. It's, It's an exciting time for healthcare. And for the first time, you know, kind of moving beyond billboards and, you know, airport uh, advertising and TV and radio and moving more towards how do we engage patients? You know, it's been the holy grail, right? We haven't cracked that nut um, of how we engage patients. And um, we've got some exciting use cases to share with you and your audience. So thank you for that opportunity. Well, that was a really good interview with Dana. We really appreciate his insights. It's kind of cool, Reed, to talk to someone that actually works at one of these marketing automation companies that's been around for a while because they really show you um, all the different ways they're applying use of these technologies and these strategies to that from outside of healthcare into healthcare. And I think that that gives me, gives me hope that we're not as far behind as other industries. I mean, we are and we aren't, you know, it's kind of one of those deals. And I don't know that it really matters, quite honestly. It's just the idea that, you know, let's stop talking about how far we are behind and start doing something, you know, just start being productive uh, each day. So anyway, that's another topic for another day, but great interview, (laughs) Uh, a lot of stuff going on. Just a quick reminder, again, like we mentioned at the top of the episode, touchpoint.health is the website, and that's where you can find the link as well as all our social media channels. But if you'll sign up for our weekly email there at the website, touchpoint.health, you'll, you'll get the link for um, the little survey for our best of show for episode 100 that's coming up on January the 2nd. So uh, keep that in mind. We're going to be pestering you to fill that out. Uh, and that's always a fun show to do. Uh, we did that last year for the first time and we'll do it again for uh, 2018. Are we going to give out awards this year, Reed? I mean, last year we just kind of alluded to awards. I think we should create some touchpoint swag and send it off to people. What do you- yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. We should figure that out. We'll think about that. Some temporary tattoos or, you know. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, well, very cool. Uh, be sure to check out the other shows on the network as well. And rate, review, subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And uh, before we get out of here, uh, maybe a couple of recommendations. Yeah, Reed, I'm going to make a recommendation. This is this actually is a game that I played over the Thanksgiving weekend. Someone at work actually introduced me to this game. It's a, a card game called Resistance. Have you ever heard of this game? No. Huh? The scenario, just very briefly, is uh, in, in the not-too-distant future, you are a member of a resistance trying to fight against a corrupt government. So not-too-distant of a future, mind you. It's a, a, a game where you play with other people around the table, and um, most of you are part of the resistance and are designed to do different things to topple this corrupt government, but there are three spies sitting at the table, and you don't know who they are. They shift every round, and your your job is to make sure that you're picking members of the resistance that are actually going to help your mission succeed, because if you have a spy on the uh, on the team, they're going to make sure you fail. The the game itself is really easy to learn, but what's the coolest thing, Reed, is just like playing with other people around the table and trying to figure out, you know, like how good of a poker face are they? It's a game called Resistance, like I said, and you can get it like you know on Amazon or whatever. It's totally fun and totally worth it if you ever sit around and play card games with friends. Nice, very cool. 
Cool. I'm going to recommend something that uh, technically I've recommended before, but this is a different version of it. Uh, I've mentioned these and like I said, recommended the Sherpa pin covers previously. S-H-E-R-P-A. You put a traditional Sharpie inside of it. And so it's a really fancy way to carry a Sharpie. It does allow you to put other types of pins in there, which that's what I use now. In in my different Sherpa pin covers, I'm using the Uniball Vision Elite rollerball pin. But in any case, they come out with a special edition. My dad just gave it to me, a special edition each Christmas. And so these are designed, they have funny designs on them and things like that. And so they have, this is the uh, 2018 holiday edition and it's uh, numbered. Uh, so I think they make 200 of them. And uh, anyway, it's cool. It's, it's the ugly sweater version. <laughs> so anyway, it's kind of cool. It's kind of a neat little pin uh, to carry around. Then you swap out between Sharpies and all kinds of different um, capped pins because you throw the cap away and then this becomes the fuselage, if you will, of your pin. So the fuselage of your pen. I love it. That should be there. I should. Yeah, that should be on like a marketing thing of theirs. But anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, another good episode. We're inching closer to the end of the year and uh, our clip show, the best of the network episode 99, which is going to happen right around Christmas and then episode 100 just after the first of the year. So uh, we, we appreciate the support. Certainly couldn't be here without the listeners and our sponsors and uh, just very appreciative that you guys have stuck around long enough to allow us to get to episode 100. For Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.